Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Of an animal without influencing their behaviour itself. Now, studying whales and how they respond to human interactions is really important as our climate changes. But making a study without influencing the behaviour of the whales in the first place is really tricky. And hacking processes leave a lot to be designed. So how do we get good data into these studies? And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. Now, you might have heard the news stories about whales attacking various vessels, whether that be large vessels like a container ship or maybe a smaller one like a super yacht belonging to some rich billionaires. The tales of orcas attacking ships in the area of oceans around Spain is also well known as well. Now this is all hilarious if you like to imagine the orcas as some kind of fight back against the climate polluters which maybe is the case, but without having to interview the orcas in question and checking whether or not it is a coordinated attack plan, we have to probably look for other explanations. But in other studies, when researchers try to actually understand the behaviour of whales, it can be really, really tricky. And that's something that researchers from the University of Copenhagen Denmark have been diving into. In a paper published in the journal Ecology and Evolution, researchers Lars Nielsen and Otitevo and others have been exploring how best to understand the behaviour of whales. And in particular, what you do when you tag a whale. And the thing is, researchers need to tag what creatures like whales in order to understand what happens with them. If you want to study migration patterns, or where they're feeding, or how they're breeding, or how they're surviving, you typically often now try and tag and track a creature. It's the most reliable way to gather all kinds of data. It's not the only way. Sometimes you can use visual sightings. But for creatures like whales, it can be incredibly difficult to maintain consistent visual sighting records. When you have like a white, large whale, like Mingu for example, you can actually tag and track them just visually without having to put any markers on them. But that's a really rare exception. In most cases, you would have to actually attach one of these tracking devices. These measuring devices are something, though, that is often physically attached to the creature. This creates a problem. As with any observation and measurement, the mere act of measuring itself is in fact influencing the result. When a biologist tags a whale with a measuring device, the animals start to behave differently, different from normal, abnormally. Now, what they've noticed is that, for example, a while after being tagged, they might perform a whole bunch of different movements, atypical movements, shallow dives and quick jerks. Now, the thing is, the researchers have tagged these creatures to try and understand typical behaviour, but by merely actually tagging them themselves, they've introduced all kinds of unexpected, abnormal behaviour. This is not unusual, if you think about it, because when you have someone ask you to specifically do something like walk, or lift your hands up, or breathe, you have to think consciously about it. You are then changed, perhaps, in the way you would do it normally, naturally, or unconsciously. 
This is why in all kinds of studies in humans, we have to be really, really careful to do double-blind studies and craft an experiment carefully that does introduce the bias of simply the experiment itself. And the researchers are running into a bit of this problem here. Now, one of the reasons why this bias may be introduced in these particular studies is because, well, getting a tag on you is not necessarily the funnest experience for an animal. Taking your pet to the vet is a beneficial experience for you, but it may also result in a lot of scratches as you try to herd those cats or dogs into the car to get them to the vet and then take them out again on the way back home. You won't have great memories of it, and it certainly wasn't normal, and probably neither does the animal. And after that, they might not be as trusting of you next time you bring out the car carrier. Now, this kind of change in behaviour will normalise over time, and you'll probably have to go through the whole thing again next time you need to go to the vet. But it's basically probably something that's happening with the whales as well. When they undergo the tagging process, it's influencing the creatures in such a way that then they're behaving differently to normal. Now, the researchers in question are trying to study how human interaction impacts whales, because humans interact with creatures like whales all the time, whether it be large noises in the oceans from vessels and boats like we talked about before, or just interactions with people scattered in various types of scenarios you can have in the ocean, fishing vessels, people in the water, you name it. When the researchers are now trying to study the movement and behaviours of whales around people, well, if you've just spooked the whale by putting a tag on them, you're going to get, well, what people would refer to as noisy data. So what can you do as a marine biologist to understand the behaviour and well-being of the whales, which you have just influenced by trying to track and trace them? The answer actually comes from a few surprising places. So what researchers like Utitovo from the Greenland Institute of Natural Resources collaborated with actually a bunch of mathematicians because the answer comes in the form of statistics. Statistics actually influenced by an idea that Lazarita had from thinking about voting. And this struck him while he was actually in the line at a voting booth. So how do we tie voting booths back to keeping track of human behaviour and whales interactions? Whale behaviour doesn't just flip with a flick of its tail, as the paper says, from normal to abnormal. The behaviour will change after the tagging period, and then over a couple of day period it tends to normalise and get back to a regular behaviour. The whale recovers and goes back its normal life. 
but sometimes it takes more or less time. Some whales recover faster than others. And during this transition period, a whale's behaviour manifests on both sides of an area that people would say is normal whale behaviour. So when you draw that line, if you want to see what natural behaviour is and what a whale who is affected by human contact is, you need to actually understand where to draw that, that transition point and barrier. And statistical methods are useful because it helps you avoid discarding too much or too little data. If you keep too much of that noisy or interfering data, you'll perhaps have results or interpolations that aren't real. And if you throw away too much data, well, then it's been too long of an exposure from the animal interacting with the human. So they probably have potentially forgotten about it. So the event you're very trying to study itself, how, in this case, a whale interacts with a human, is forgotten in the seas of time. So you want to capture some of this response, but you don't want to have too much noise in the signal. So the example that helped researchers like Lazarita come up with a good idea of understanding it was by using a voting method. Borrowing the logic of the electoral system, you can consider is the whales or the data points of the whales' behaviour vote on whether they are in or out of their normal range. This is what researcher Lazarita explains. If you have one positive vote when the behaviour is within normal range and one negative vote when the behaviour is outside, the scientists can tally up all those votes, like good vessologists, and find the moment that the number goes from predominantly negative to predominantly positive. As soon as that inflection point is hit, then they say, okay, now we can trust this data. The researchers use these two approaches to determine when a whale is behaving normally and what a normal whale's diving pattern actually looks like. And you can take that assessment on its acceleration and fine motor skills as well. Now, this is enabling them to calculate the behavior of these animals in a statistical sense. Now, for example, in a whale, sometimes a whale will hunt in the deep waters, and other times it will cruise quietly along at the surface. What a whale is doing at a time is crucially for understanding its normal energy levels. So it might be it's just in a worn out mode, so it will cruise a less energy intensive mode, or it will need to hunt more aggressively because lack of food and it will need to go deeper. So you have to use all kinds of statistical measures to understand average behaviour. Now, hunting and resting are kind of like the two opposing extremes of energy levels. When you try and focus on a whale's diving profile, you want to look at a pattern of the whale's overall activities rather than the extremes in that case. So in the statistical analysis, you want to look at lots of different things. Sometimes the outlier cases, the difference between two very extreme points of energy use, hunting and diving, or overall behavior for, say, a diving profile, you want to look at the overall activity. In these cases, you need to use different statistical tools to find which one is best. Now, from these studies, they've actually got some good insights into how to make tagging better for the whales themselves. Now, based on the studies, we know that the amount of time they spend putting the equipment on the whale is a really important factor for how much it affects the animals afterwards. So if you set up some time limits, how long do you stop the whale, or when do you let the whale free? If you take more than X number of minutes, then that whole tagging process will be void anyway, and for the animal's safety, you should let it go. And this gives you a good idea about what a well-tagged creature will be like and when one won't be. And this will give a much better 
tagging process for the creatures, but also, more importantly for the scientists too, better data where they don't have to discard as much as before. This helps with things like ethical approval for veterinary inspections, but it makes also the data more precise. This is a win-win for animal welfare and also for good marine science. Now, the thing is, this is going to become a more important problem because, well, we're going to have a world with less eyes and more people, so the interactions between whales and humans will continue to grow in number. And this kind of setting the groundwork for how you should best tag and interact with whales will help people make better studies on influence, examples of, such as influence of external noise or other situations. Now, increased human activity around areas where whales are, or decreased habitable zones for whales will push them into more human areas. This will lead to more interactions between whales and ocean noise. And this is something that researchers like Professor Zandilson believe that need to study with more detail. The important lesson here is if you want to make a study of behaviour, you first need good data. If you want to look at all of that information to on a tagged creature like a whale, You've got to make sure that you're not influencing the interaction in the first place. So more ethical standards for measuring, more ethical standards for attaching devices to creatures like whales will lead to better science in the end. It's not a case of science or ethics. Actually, it's both. And that's great news for researchers as long as you adjust your cards right. So spending less time putting on a tag will help make the whales more responsive and more better to analyze when you're looking at all of those signals, losing less to the noise. And then you can use all kinds of statistical methods, voting practices and others to help find that point where whales' behavior normalizes. The less time you spend interacting with them, the more you get insights into their behavior. This is a great paper published in the journal Ecology and Evolution from the University of Copenhagen researchers, including Lars Richard and Nielsen. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Shorter tagging times can lead to better tag studies of whales' behaviour. And that's really important to allow us to have better ethical practices and better, more accurate results when understanding whale behaviour. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.